Hello, church. It is great to be with you. And uh, I'm, I'm carrying on this series, But God, which is really one of my favorite series. You know, 66 times in the Bible it says, there was this bad thing happening, but God. It's kind of the, the sentence that should go on the end of every Christian experience, good or bad, but God. It is just, it is good. But uh, today I'm going to speak about power, and I, I thought I, I would set it up just by helping you understand some of my, my checkered past. Um, and I, I, um, I grew up in incredible privilege because I lived on a game farm. But the privilege also had a little bit of pain. Because uh, when you grow up in a game farm, you live in a small town. So there were 20 kids in my grade, not 20 kids per class. There was just 20 kids in my grade, which meant dating options were slim. And, uh, and anyway, so, so I, I grew up in this little town, and I would go back to the game farm. The game farm was beautiful. I mean, you think about it, when God made nature, he was creating a place of romance and sunrises and sunsets and stars and beautiful trees and fish in the ocean. And, and everywhere you look, you just go like two giraffe, one. <laughs> two elephant, one. One male impala, 30 female. Like, it just like it starts to get to you somewhere down the line. Now, Adam became aware that he was alone. And God said that it wasn't good that he was alone. Like that starts to happen to you when you live in a game farm. So by the time I'd got to 17 and, and still hadn't had a girlfriend, I, I, I got to the place where, where desperation was starting to, to build. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, others of you less so. And, and anyway, I, I remember a, a girl came to visit. I don't know if it was like one of her friends or whether it was a, a cousin or, or whatever. And whenever a girl would visit, like it was a bit of a race. Because whoever got there first, like maybe. So... Uh, so I decided, I'm a resourceful guy, that I was going to use my resources at this game farm to maybe win her over before the rich sugarcane farmer kids got to her. So that was the plan. And, uh, and I, I decided I would take her for a game drive, which wasn't technically legal because my dad was away and wasn't supposed to use company stuff. Anyway, I, I grabbed her Land Cruiser and I said to her, would you like to go for a game drive? She said yes. And... And a few things should have given away that this might not work so well. The, the one was that she was just, she had high heels on. Like, who does that? But anyway, she came in high heels, and, uh, and she had a very sexy, quite short dress on. And uh, I, I should have thought this through. I don't want to tell you what I was thinking, but, uh, but nothing, nothing clicked. Anyway, so we go on this game drive. It had been raining, kind of like last night, raining. What was that? Like, someone told the weather, wrong time. But anyway, it had been raining like that, and, and so we decided to go f for a drive. And as I got into the game park, we were driving, there's this area with basalt, like that blacky soil. And I always knew, like, this could be trouble, but I was 17. So when you're 17 and you see a problem, you know what you do. You speed up. So, so that's what I did. Uh, I sped up. And, uh, and we went flying into this little puddle, which actually was a swamp. And we got stuck in her mini dress and high heels. And, and anyway, she climbed on the back, and I tried to get cut down some branches to put in there, and I dug, and, and I tried to get it out. By 6 p.m., my mom started to get worried, so she sent my head tracker with a, with a tractor to come pull us out. And so he came along, and he... Toad and toad, and then he got stuck. 
So now we've got a Land Cruiser and a tractor stuck and a girl on high heels. And so, so I said to her, well, if we, go, if we walk home, that's like 12 k's. But if we go to the safari camp, that's 7 k's. So we're going to walk. So she, she started to walk with us. And it took about 500 meters, and then that stopped. And, and then she tried barefoot, and then she got a thorn in her foot. And so, so we started um, taking turns in, in carrying her, which, which is interesting in itself. And, and anyway, we were walking down, and then I hear this, ooh, ooh. So she turns to me, and she says, what is that? And I said, it's an ostrich. And, uh, and we were walking, walking. My, my tracker doesn't know a lot of English, but he could tell that was a lie. And, uh, and anyway, this noise comes a little bit clo- closer. And he says to me, And so I, I turned. What that means is the lines are coming closer. And she said, what did he say? And I said, he said, the ostrich are going to, the, the lions are going to eat the ostrich. If they keep calling like that. And he looked at me, and we both knew what was going on. Anyway, I eventually, eventually got her to the safari camp, and, uh, and she said to me, Tomorrow, would you mind taking me home? And I think she landed up marrying Hamish, who's a sugar cane farmer. And, and I, I blame all of that on the lack of power of the Land Cruiser. It, it may actually have been the lack of power of insight that I had, but we'll blame the Land Cruiser because there was a power problem. In fact, for the next two days, I, I got another Land Cruiser stuck, and eventually we got a 4x4 tractor two days later to drag us all out, to spend two days moping in the mud, thinking about her and Hamish. Anyway, this is, this is the problem with, with Christians. We lack power. And I want to talk about power. In fact, there's a prayer that Paul prays, and I'm going to pray this over you. Can I ask you to stand and put your hands out like this? Even if you're not a Christian, just kind of bear with me. I'm going to pray this over you because he he says this as an intro. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family on heaven and earth derives its name. And then he prays this. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of God's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now to him, who is able to do immeasurably more, exceedingly abundantly more than you could think or imagine, according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. You can go to see. He prays power. I pray power of you. You see, to be a Christian is to be marked by the power of God. You know, when scientists have recently watched as a sperm cell hits an egg cell in the natural, 
And they say when that happens, electrons literally explode out of there as light happens. There's an explosion of power as natural birth conception happens. Natural conception, not birth. There's another explosion. There's a different kind of explosion of power. <laughs> when you ask Jesus into your life to forgive you of sins and to be your Savior and the Lord of your life, there is a spiritual power that explodes inside of you and you are born again. And when that happens, you become a new creation. That is power. This verse says that we would be strengthened with power so that we could understand how wide and deep and long the love of Christ is, all the dimensions of Christ, that we would be strengthened in our inner man to experience the power of God. You are supposed to experience more than you can think or imagine, immeasurably more. You, you're supposed to live with power in every aspect of your life. It is the mark of Christianity that you would have power. And so if we don't have power, there is something wrong in our Christianity. So today I want to talk about how you get power. I'm going to take a but God story from Ephesians 3, I mean, sorry, from Acts 3. And it's the story about a lame man. Now, the de definition of power is the ability or capacity to do something or act in a certain way. The definition of being lame is the lack of ability or capacity to do something or act in a certain way. So, one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter, looking straight at him, as did John, sorry, looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from him. He's lame. He doesn't have the power to walk. He's paralyzed. It's a tragedy. I want to just kind of sink in here for a little while. Because when you and I see tragedy like that, our brains try to work out why. So that we can, if we can understand it, maybe we can put it into a box that makes us not feel so uncomfortable. The disciples also had this problem. So they saw a, a blind guy and they said to Jesus, Jesus, whose sin caused this? Was it his sin or his parents' sin? And Jesus goes, no, neither. But that the glory of God might be made manifest. Now, I'm going to explain that in a moment, but I want to start with the but neither. See, what I find we do as Christians is when something goes wrong, we go, whose sin was it? How many generations ago? And what Jesus is doing is he's going, it wasn't his sin, it wasn't his father's sin, it was Adam's sin. You were by Adam's sin. When Adam sinned, it was like a virus got into the human genetic and destroyed both nurture and nature. So, you know, before Adam sinned, babies would come out the womb going, how can I help? No, I, I'm joking. That's not what happened. But, but the concept is that there was no sin. Adam sins, and the next chapter, we have polygamy and murder. Sin it corrupts, it breaks everything. 
it affects nature and nurture. Let me try and explain it. So my little boy, George, is unbelievably sensitive to rejection. When he gets rejected, the pain he feels, it's, it's like there's a magnifying glass on him. And I understand. And the reason I understand is because when I was born, my father rejected me. And so I carried rejection until one day a guy preached a sermon and he said, this is my son whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. That sermon went straight into my spirit and I literally went, I'm accepted, I'm loved, and I'm approved of. It just sunk in, I believed it, and I was healed. My son, who, as parents, we've done lots wrong. I mean, we've all kind of messed up our kids, let's face it. But, but we've, we've done lots wrong. The one thing we haven't done wrong is made this kid in any way feel like he is not loved and accepted. So rejection didn't come to him through nurture. Rejection came through nature. Now let me explain this. And you're like, ah. When I was 28, I met my blood father for the first time. We sat at a, at a dining room table, and he did this. The only other person who ever does this is me. I've never seen anyone else do this. It's weird, but I do it all the time. That's nature. I'd never seen it, but I did it. My boy experienced nature, genetic predisposition for rejection. And I, as a dad, have the privilege of sitting with him and going, my boy, I know what that feels like. And let me talk to you about this. Let's take this pain out and let's look at it. And then let me tell you about my Father in heaven who says, you are my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. And I want you to know, George, you are my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. And if God loves you and I love you, there is nothing else that can stop that love. You know why I do that? That God may be glorified. See, here's the big point. You are lame. I know you don't want to hear this, but you are lame. There is a part of you that doesn't have capacity, that has been marred. It's been marked. We've all had Adam contaminate us. We're all marred in some way. And just because you're insecure and you go hang out with a whole bunch of other insecure people so you feel like you're normal, doesn't mean you're normal. You're still marred. We're all marred. Some of us, we just don't bounce back. We're marred. Some of us can't get through depression. We're marred. Some of us, we just feel lonely. And the reason we're busy the whole time, and the reason we're entertaining ourselves and looking at screens the whole time is because when we stop for a moment, we feel the ache of rejection and loneliness and abandonment, and we go, I need to fill this. We're marred. I mean, I could spend the rest of the sermon trying to convince you that you're marred, but you are messed up. You and me, we are messed up. We are marred by sin. And the sooner you realize that, the sooner you will start asking God for his power. Because you're marred and you need God's power to help you. So here's what happens in this story. 
goes on in verse 6. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. Now, I just want to pause a moment because this dude is marred by sin. It's a tragedy that his body is broken. But he chooses to beg. Let me help you understand that. You know, the rain that happened last night, I'm, I'm doing earthworks at my house. And then it rained like that. And I said to my wife last night, I said, babe, I'm really worried because we haven't got any rain tanning in. And she said to me, just remember, you chose this. This man had a tragedy happen to him that was this. But he chose not to use this. You see, he is marred both by Adam's sin and his own sin. And so he ends up begging. And you need power to get out of both, which is why God says, I will give you power both to will and to act according to my purposes. God wants to give you a power out of this, both from what you caused and what was done to you. You need the power. The story keeps going. And he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And then taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in a place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, Peter, who's quick to preach, said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murder be released to him, to, to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. Here's the but God. But God raised him from the dead. By faith in Jesus' name, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. What is beautiful about the story is Peter prays and heals his body. And this is a remarkable miracle because if someone is paralyzed and then after that he doesn't go through rehab, he just starts jumping around and praising God, that is a miracle. God uses Peter to heal his lame done to him. But his praise and worship and thanksgiving is him healing his own sin. The thing about God is that he won't do for you what you can do for you. So what this man does in this moment is he starts praising and worshiping God for the thing that has been done for him. You know what is impossible to do? It is impossible to genuinely praise and thank God for who he is and worship him for everything he is in your life and continue to beg. 
those things don't work together. They're mutually exclusive because when you praise with genuine deep thanksgiving, the result will be that you will exercise what you're thankful for and you will work to add life to people around. You'll start to pray. So this man begins to heal himself out of the miracle that God did. Now this is really, really important that you know. Because some of us had our businesses taken out by COVID. And when that happened, the stress that that caused resulted in a big marriage problem. And now you need power for a miracle in your business. And you need power to endure and understand the love of God so that you can stay in your marriage. Some of us, I had this last week, now I'm bouncing around the stage, but last week, I thought, I have long COVID. Some of us have long COVID. And you need a miracle to get you out of long COVID. But the problem with long COVID is that it's affecting your work and you're worried that you're going to lose your job. You need different kinds of power, which is why God says there's a power for miracles and there's a power to endure. And there's a power to understand the love of God. And there's a power to expect immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine. But here's the big idea. God has more than enough power. In fact, when he's describing the power, he says, you killed the author of life. Now, just think about that. Jesus, the author of life, he like wrote the script on life. He imagined it. But then in, in John 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And everything that was made was made through him. There was nothing that was made that he didn't make. So he's the, he's the scriptwriter, he's the creator, and then in Hebrews, it says that he sustains all things by the power of his word. So he's like uber strong. He has enough power for bones and for me. And maybe for you. No. It, it, says, it then goes on and it says, may he strengthen you with his mighty power. And the words in Greek are megatheon dunameos eos. How do you say that, Greek man? Dunameos. Okay, there we go. He's Greek. Megathon, like you don't need, you don't need to be Greek to understand this. Megatheon, basically megaton, dunameos, dynamite. A megaton of dynamite. But then, then he goes, he goes like a step further. He says, it's immeasurably more than, than you could think or imagine. So, when you want to describe power, like you go, Ford, Toyota. Like, there's, there's power. When you, when you, oh, sorry, Ford people. When, when you want to, you, you need to compare things. So, you go like, Putin's nuclear bomb is like one millionth of the power of an explosion on the sun. And the power of the sun is like one billionth of the power of a supernova. But when it comes to God's power, it's immeasurably more. It doesn't fit on the scale. God can't get onto the scale because he transcends the scale. He is above it. He speaks it into being. So he doesn't like try to measure himself. It's not like he starts this and he goes, I want to show you how powerful God is. God created all the universe. He doesn't say that. He uses a different scale. He says... God resurrected the dead, Jesus. Now, here's why this is so, so 
good. And you need to understand this if you're going to access the power. Because there is nothing more powerful in our lives than death. The reason we're scared of Putin and his finger on that red button is because if he presses it, there will be death. Now, mostly Americans and Ukrainians and Russians, like they all died, we'll be fine. But, but in our brains, we are scared because it can cause death. We are scared of tsunamis because they can cause death. Because if you can overcome death, like I can go up to the top of the new stadium, jump off, no bungee jump, who cares? I've overcome death. Like I've just, if you can beat death, there's nothing that has power over you. So when Peter is trying to describe to people how much power God has, the units of measurement that he uses is resurrecting Jesus from the dead. That's the kind of power. And you only need like a tiny, tiny, tiny amount of that power to overcome your lameness. That's good. He has the power more than enough. And he loves you enough to give you the power. The thing is, what do I need to get the power? See, it says right on the end there, says this, why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? You know what you need to access the power of God? You need to be very, 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 very holy. No, that's not what it says. It says, why do you think it's our godliness? Which you need to hear, because I have Christians the whole time saying, that oak is such a nice oak. Why did God let that happen to that person? And I want to say to, back to them, so if he was a jerk, you wouldn't be worried about it. Like, uh, what is that? Goes on and says, by faith in Jesus, this man was made whole. You want to know how you access the power of God? By faith, only faith. By your believing that he is good enough and powerful enough to put a tiny, tiny portion of resurrection power into your life so that you can overcome your lambs. And you need power to overcome your lambs. Now, I'm looking at you, and some of you look like you don't believe me that you're lame. But you and I are lame. There are areas in our lives that lack power. And, and if you still don't believe me, when you turn six, you'll believe me. And like there will come a moment when the pressure of life will come and it will start to expose the cracks inside of you. And on that day, God says, I have the power. But there is one condition. It has to come through faith. It must be for the glory of God. See, when I'm sitting with my little boy, and I'm going, my boy, I understand why you're feeling this pain. I felt it too. And this is how I got healed. I am telling him how to get healed, and I am telling him about the goodness of God, and I'm telling him about that love for one reason. Because I want him to get up one day and say to people, I felt such incredible rejection, but the power of God entered into my life, and I am no longer insecure. I am healed.
because of the power of God. It has to be for the glory of God. If it's not for the glory of God, it's for the glory of me. If it's for the glory of me, God has a cunning, sneaky way of just going, nah. My friends, I have preached this whole sermon not because I want you to be impressed with God's power, but because I want you to experience God's power. So think about where you're lacking. Think about where you don't have the discipline that you thought you would have. Think about the area where you're sitting in pain. Think about the loneliness. Think about the thing that is lame. And we're going to invite God's power into that. It may not come as a miracle. It might come as power to endure. But we're expecting power. I'm expecting power to be released. So if you've got your lamb and you want to be prayed for, let's stand. We're going to pray. I'm so glad. I thought some people might sit. Drink our coffee and hang out with us all. God bless.